and welcome back. It is Monday, April 4th, 2023. You're listening to episode 160 of the Can I Say Something podcast. I'm your host, Anna Recluse, with a juicy caboose, Damien. Joining me today is... Derek McDuff. On today's show, we'll be going over some movie and TV news, breaking down Derek's trip to WonderCon before getting into a little bit of what we've been watching, including the fourth and final season premiere of Succession, Mandalorian's episode four and five, and what we've been reading and much, much more. Right into the show, Can I Say Something podcast at gmail.com, at Bicycle on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend, family member, or stranger. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing well. Uh, I was on a why I was just taking a drink. We've done this like 50 times, and I was like, <laughs> now is a good time to yeah. Yeah, sip of Baja Blast. Occupy your mouth, yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm doing I'm doing well. That's good. Uh, yeah, just got off work, and now it's time for fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's fun time now. Any any extra ingredients in the Baja Blast? You know, I did I did have a little bit of vodka blast uh, for the first one, <laughs> uh, but you know now I've just gone back to. Uh, to regular Baja Blasts, you know, so, yes. uh, you know, I was feeling pretty good after that first one. So I was like, you know, this is, I'm at a good cruising altitude. I'll just stay here. <laughs> yeah. There's always that like period that, that point at which you're peak, peak drunk. Peak, exactly. Like it's tipsy. like the point where you're really good at Mario Kart, you know, like yeah. that's the point I'm at right now. That's, that's great. Let's do some uh, podcasting of Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of feeling good, I felt amazing this week because I released serotonin in my, into my brain in the, uh, the way of, Buying things, buying things always releases a lot of serotonin in your brain. So, Criterion, right. yeah, Criterion had a flash sale. They always get me with the flash sales. They never, it's never like you know a month of like our stuff is a, you know half off for a month. I'm like, okay, I'll get around to it. But when they're like 28, 24 hours only, you have to get in here right now or you're a piece of shit. <laughs> you missed the boat. You missed the um, zeitgeist. You have to get in here and get these now. Otherwise, they'll never come back, even though they do one every three months. <laughs> Amy, you fool. My fool. They got me. They tripped me up. But uh, so I took part of the Criterion sale just, re- just recently. Um, whenever I do that, I always buy uh, Blu-rays that I haven't seen before just because, you know, what's the point of buying stuff that you've seen before? Um, you know, for the, for the you could do it for the director's cut. You could do it for the director's commentary for the, um, you know, behind the scenes stuff. But I just like to buy the ones that I haven't seen before. So I have them right in front of me. Um, I bought five of them. One was Afterlife, the movie that was on my um, two, two watch lists, the, the assignment I had. A month ago now, I uh, still haven't seen it. They're all they're all prestiged, left in their wrapping, still here, still in the wrapping. Um, but that was one of them. Another one was all about Eve, um, starring of course Betty Davis and Ann Baxter, George Saunders, Celeste Holm. Uh, should uh, should be a good good watch. I got uh, Tarkovsky's Mirror. The only Tarkovsky I've seen so far um, was Stalker. I'm interested to dive a dip. 
dive a bit deeper into Mr. Tarkovsky's oeuvre. Uh, I got Brighter Summer Day. That is the, let's see, what is the director's name? Edward Yang, his 1991 drama, I believe. So that would be cool. Check that out. And also another Tarkovsky, Solaris. So that's... Oh, I've seen I've seen the Soderbergh version. I've never yeah. seen the original. Yeah, that'd be cool to check out. So, no. yep, yep, five more, five more add to my collection. I need I need a stand now. <laughs> I went a long time so, without. Yes, go ahead. Let me just answer your question yeah. where you were like, why buy things that you've seen before? Yeah, uh, because that's the only the only time I buy Criterion's is ones where I'm like, this is a masterpiece. I'm gonna watch this a few times. I want to have this really prestigious, nice. If it's something I've never seen before. I'm not gonna buy something. I'm not gonna spend forty dollars on something sight unseen. I'll watch it on fucking Hulu or something. <laughs> right? Yeah. For, well, okay. First of all, twenty dollars because it's half off. That's the point of it. You don't spend forty dollars. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, there, well, if it's like a special collection, reasonable. yeah, it's reasonable. If it's, it's like if it's like a special collection, you know, it's like a um, what do you call it? The the seven seven DVD seven Blu-rays of. Uh, I'm not sure who they have seven Blu-rays of, but you know they have those collections. Th- those are like eighty dollars. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that'd be crazy. Who would do that? Not me. Not this guy. No, you didn't <laughs> buy the Wan Kar Wai one or something like that. I didn't buy the Wan Kar Wai. Uh, what's it called? Thing that's sitting right over there. The <laughs> the world of War- the world of Wan Kar Wai collection that has you know seven <laughs> of his movies, a whole a booklet. Yeah, steel booklet, all that's good stuff. But anyways, yeah. that's some that's my collection. You also spent some money, I'm assuming, uh, at least on the tickets to WonderCon. Nope, no, nope. I did not. <laughs> you did not. Interesting. How did you swing that? I did not. Uh, I have a podcast, and uh, ah. I get to go to things sometimes. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I, nice. I got in as a professional. So uh, I did pay for parking. So yes. actually, there was that. I did have to park. Two of the pay for parking. Two of the three days, I got in free parking the second day. But um, yeah, I you know. Had uh, through some podcast connections, I got in with a professional badge, so I did not nice. have to pay for that, and I didn't really buy anything. Uh, so I got pretty much a, mostly a free con, which was nice. Very cool. Did you go to any panels? Yeah, I did. I did a good amount of panels, um, especially the first day. I did a lot of panels. There was one uh, I forget exactly what it was called, but it was like something like a. Uh, journalism for pop culture in the internet age or something like that. That was a pretty cool one. Um, my buddy Jason or JPG, uh, who I had kind of uh, got me hooked up uh, at the podcast or at the festival, festival, um, the uh, con, I uh, went to a couple of his panels. He had some really good ones. Um, actually, uh, somebody who I met who was on one of those panels, uh, who was on, it was uh, uh, Success Through Failure was the name of it. And it was just kind of like, taking the things you fail at in media and turning those into successes. Um, made some connections with those guys. Those guys were on the uh, weekly DLC podcast. So he, one of them was on my April Fool's Day episode of Infinity Stones <laughs> and Dragon Bones talking about Morbius. So I had a lot of fun with that. So yeah, there was some pretty cool panels there. Nice. Awesome. Did you uh, get any selfies, meet anybody, anybody cool? Yeah, I um. So the third day, I, so the first day was kind of all pan going to panels. The second day was all networking and giving out business cards and going to the Hilton lobby and and having drinks with people in the industry. But the third day was kind of walking around and seeing all the cosplayers. And I spent that day hanging out with um uh a, somebody who was a cosplayer. And so people were coming over to her and taking pictures. And me and her friend were kind of like 
hanging out and making sure there was no guys who were too creepy um, coming yeah. up to her. And uh, as we did that, we kind of walked through the festival, walked through the show floor. Um, the only people I bugged to get a picture was because I was wearing my Princess Mononoke shirt and I saw a Kiki and a Nausicaa. And I was like, all right, well, Ghibli heroines right now. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki's uh, um, heroines need to be in a picture together. So I definitely got a picture with the two of them. That was probably the coolest um, cosplay that I saw. Nice. Was the two of them. Yeah, nice. yeah, it was really fun. Nice. That sounds awesome. Um, how many cons have you, been, have you been to? Are you a con guy? I'm not, honestly. Like, this is only really the either the first or second con I've ever been to because there was one other con I went to, but it was like half music festival, half con. So this is really the I'm not a con guy. Um, so this was the first one I went to, but I had I had a blast with it. It's very cool. Yeah, I've only uh, not a kind of con guy either. Uh, I went to PAX East in 2014. I want to say uh, that was a, you know obviously for those that don't know, it's a video game um, convention. What the frick? I think you hear that. Freaking Siri. G Mobile. <laughs> My freaking Siri just went off for some <laughs> reason. Wow, that was very weird. Anyways, I've heard that happen before on podcasts. I was like, how does that even happen? It always happens to my friend Matt on his podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like every time he's just like, God damn it, Siri. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 2014, went to PAX East, met a bunch of people. You know, I was already in, deep into podcasting then. Not podcasting, but into podcast. Uh, went to the Giant Bomb panel. It was massive. Giant Bomb was already huge then. They, they started in 2008. So I was very uh, keen to go to that one. I, they did a meet and greet. Let's say the day before, the day after the uh, the panel, met them at a bar called. I still remember the bar. It was called the Whiskey Priest. Um, it was on the harbor. Very it was nice. down. Yeah, uh, Pexies is in Boston, so you know you're on the, mm-hmm. you're out there near the piers. It's uh, I think it was in March or April, so it was still a bit chilly, but it was nice, nice weather yeah. that weekend. I think it was. I think Pexies was happening the same time, at least this year, the same time as WonderCon. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, Right now it's it's a, it's a bit chilly. It's like it was like sixty today, which is unseasonably warm for over here. Um, but yeah, I that's like that. a fucking cold ass day over here. <laughs> it is unbelievable. I always wanted to ask like people um, that were you know East Coast. Uh, what do you call that? Transplants to the West yeah. Coast. Um, I always want to ask like Bill Burr, somebody that's from the West Coast or from the East Coast that that transplants to the West Coast of like you know do you <laughs> does your blood get thinner as you live out there for oh, three years? Oh, my blood's so years? thin, Dave. It's so it's so fucking <laughs> thin. You can't thin, even believe how fucking thin, thin it is. You're thin blooded. That's uh, I'm not saying oh, thin, my God. you're not thin skin, but you are thin blooded. I think that's the thing. I gotta, where I gotta put on layers. All right, should, layers. <laughs> if you donate your blood, when you donate your blood, they have to like put a put a sign on it to say this person has thin blood. Don't. <laughs> Don't give this person's West Coast blood. Don't have yeah, West Coast bloods. What's up? Uh, <laughs> don't give this person's blood to a East Coaster. That person will just die. It just collapse from <laughs> the first winter that comes after they get blood transfusion. They just keel yeah. over. That's how, that's how blood works. <laughs> that's exactly how it works. Um, what was I even saying? I got totally off track. Um, Talking about Pax. Pax, yeah. Pax was fun. I went there uh, to that one year. Uh, met a bunch of people. Got a bunch of selfies. Had a great time. Um, nice. 
Yeah, but yeah, not, but like you said, not yeah. not a kind guy. Like, you know, it was so much yeah. walking, a lot of money spending. Yeah, they spent a lot of money. Um, and I don't know how the uh, transportation infrastructure is over there, but here it's terrible. Um, I had to take a bus or I had to get a taxi from one hotel to the other because the one I booked, the first one I booked for the first two nights was was full. Uh, then I had transferred that to over to uh, another hotel. And in the morning, I had spent you know seventy dollars on a taxi to bring me to the train station where they only had like one train. Uh, for the whole day. So if I missed that one train, I would have been stranded in Boston till the next day. Uh, yeah, not, not great. Is there, is the, uh, you know, transportation better over there? No, but I live eight minutes from the Anaheim convention center. So I just very quickly got there. I was like, Oh, took me much long. It took me like three times as long to park as it did to get to the convention. Jesus, <laughs> that's nuts. So I was like, I, yeah, but yeah, I'm going to try and go on. I'm going to try and, uh, you know, get on some panels and stuff like that soon yeah. coming up. I need to, that's just something I haven't been great about, uh, but I'm going to try and do that. So hopefully I can get, uh, there's, a, cause there's a good amount of, pan, uh, you know, cons down here. So, you know, Comic-Con, LA Comic-Con, WonderCon, whatever, you know, there's, there's a good amount of stuff. So I need to, I need more, be more diligent about uh, doing that because it was nice to be a professional in the, that sphere. Yeah, that is very cool. That is, that is like, I don't know, half, not half of what a reason I want to get into this business, but, you know, a good chunk of the reason I want to do this stuff professionally is like you said, to just get the, get the badges. Um, but also, you know, a lot of, a lot of movies come out every year. You know, I think we talked about this a few times for the last couple of years, you know, the, the Oscar nominated stuff. It's like, it's, it's, it's around here sometimes, but then it's not really. I have to go to like other towns to see the stuff. So getting screeners would be very nice. That is, <laughs> if I had to yeah. admit, like probably 50% of the reason I want to be, be a professional at this just to get screeners. That's really <laughs> <laughs> most of the reason I want to do this. So yeah, nice, there's some nice perks in the business. Yeah. Not, not the pay. The pay isn't great, I've heard, but like, good, some <laughs> good perks. Yeah. Yeah. I got to supplement that income. Yeah, exactly. You know, if the right, um, if the right inflammatory articles like the best animated series of all time from IndieWire. Ooh, ooh. what a what a transition! Yes. Like, wow, look at oh, that. Oh man, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Look at that. Written by Pen- Ben Travers and Steve Green, names I've heard in the biz. Um, this was interesting article. This is uh, I sent the article and I was like, yeah, it's a lot of it's it's pretty pretentious. Um, top what is it, top 70 all-time animated list? I'm just looking to the bottom. They have Legend of Korra at 64. I think you mentioned... Yeah, you're an you're, you're, you're an Airbender guy, right? Yeah, I, of Korra is like one of my favorite shows. Like, I love Airbender and then like especially Korra. Like, Korra is my fucking lock screen on my phone. Like, I goddamn... I have a Korra jersey that I wore the first day at WonderCon. Like, I goddamn love Legend of Korra. Yeah. 64 is way too low. That is insane. I am looking through the list. They have Futurama at 59. That's that's ridiculous. Too low. Way too, too low. Too low. Yep. Pokemon at 57. That's that's nuts. Wow. Okay. I didn't look through the, all of us. I just looked through the top 10. Man. Wow. Okay. Uh, some, you know, I, okay. but like as somebody yeah. who is gets paid to write yeah. professional lists, like I, I, my sympathy is for them, you know. Yeah. You're, you're never going to please anybody i was gonna say everybody but you're never gonna please anybody <laughs> no oh man uh guess where guess where they put avatar where 39 <laughs> that's too low uh, i see i gotta see what's in front of it though because it's like one of those things that's like all right maybe yeah. maybe there's some spongebob at 36 powerpuff girls at 35 uh 
home movies I really liked. This is Bojack number one. This feels like a list that would have Bojack at number one. You might be right. I did peek at it, and you this, might be right. Like fucking pretentious ass people love goddamn Bojack. <laughs> I've only seen like, a few I, episodes I, of that. I love Bojack too. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It's it's great, but like we get it. You're fucking depressed, and you think you're a bad person. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead at twenty four. South Park at twenty three. Mobile Suit Gundam at twenty two. Justice League okay, at 20. It's Clone High being number 19. Like, I get it, Clone High, yeah. but, like, King like that is just 18. such a, like, a, like a hipster pick, you know? That's, like, a that's like a pick, such a pick-me thing, you know? Well, I mean, Cowboy Bebop is kind of hipster, and they only have that at 17, so. Mm-hmm. Ne- Neo Genesis, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion 16, that's pretty low for... That is the... the uh, <laughs> what do we got? Oh, the critic is 11? Come on. Come on. All right, let me oh, uh, skip the head. Hold on, let me see. What do we got? What do we got? Critic at 11. I do like Bob's Burgers being this high. Animaniacs at 10. Big Mouth at 9. Bob's Burgers at 8. Space Ghost at 7. This is a very hipster pick. Steven Universe at 6. Wait Batman, till you get to 4. Batman, the animated series at 5. That's good. At least they have that at 5. I'm glad that made the yeah. top 10. Yeah. Dar- Daria at 4. I was a huge... Dude, I was huge. Daria's Daria. great, but it's not the fourth greatest animated show of all. That's such a, like, I get it. You you had a rough <laughs> high school. Okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Number three, Archer. Coming at number two, The Simpsons. And you were correct. Out of nowhere, yep. Bo Jack Horseman at number one. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's fine. You got the clicks, oh, yeah. guys. Bye, you know, that's, that's, cool. that's cool. That's cool. You know, it's, it's a good show. It's a good yeah. show. Right. <laughs> the Simpsons, yeah. I could see The Simpsons being at number two if this list was written in like 1995. Right. Yeah. But like, it's like oh, more bad seasons than good ones now at this point, right? Like, yeah. Who watches The Simpsons still? Yeah. The, and everyone's like, actually, season 18 to 23 was pretty good. They got back on track with 18 to 23. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going back that far. Oh <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get into self help reading. I went on a tear for the last couple of weeks reading a bunch of shit. Um, Girl Dragon Tattoo trilogy finished that up uh, it's a really good trilogy I thought it was going to be like a uh, case of the week thing with each book each of the first trilogy uh, but it was all like one long story they explain have you seen you've seen uh, Girl the Dragon Tattoo correct I've seen the Fincher version the movie yeah we talked about that when we were talking about like uh, best top five Fincher movies um, mm-hmm. so the guy that was her um, guardian that that assaults her and rapes her, um, he was actually placed there by uh, Elizabeth's father, and her father was a retired and um, in hiding KGB agent, USSR agent that defected in the seventies and was hiding out in Sweden for like a couple decades, you know, giving them information and shit. <clears throat> so he abused her mother and abused Elizabeth and Elizabeth apparently tried to this is, sorry spoilers for the <laughs> girl the dragon they're, tattoo she's never going to make another movie so I don't yeah. care I mean they technically made them um, Rooney not Rooney Mara um, what was the actress that yes. was in Prometheus uh, 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 I had her in the tip of my tongue too I was like I'll remember that <laughs> who was in Prometheus the woman that was like the main woman in Prometheus Movie. I know exactly. Like you'll say it, I'm like, oh yeah, of yeah, course. of course. I know her name, but I don't. Yeah, it's a yeah. weird name. Good actress, but it's a weird name. Uh, Nomi Rapace uh, was yeah. Elizabeth Salinger. They made a trilogy of them in uh, in Denmark or Sweden. Um, so, anyways, her father, Elizabeth's father, 
abused them when she was growing up. She tried to kill her father by setting him on fire in, in his car. He survived. Um, after the events of the first book, the, her guardian um, sent an assassin after her, and that, that, that's what triggered that the assassin was working for her father. So throughout the second and third book, it's all about Elizabeth trying to stay one, one step ahead of this, this, this assassin that's after her, and also uncovering, like, you know, Who's her, who's her father? What has he done over the last few decades? What you know, he's been in like sex trade and drugs, running guns and drugs for the um, you know shadow things. The 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 shadow the hedgehog. Yes, that shadow the hedgehog. <laughs> the uh, they were called like the the portion or the what are they called the part of the government secret secret uh, section the section that's what they're called the section of the government that's like a section within the section of the intelligence service of sweden working behind the scenes doing shit doing shitty shit in the back behind the scenes so the second and third book were all about that and covering all that stuff it's a very good books highly recommend um but unfortunately you know the the author dies the Stieg, Stieg larsen died um as he was completing the books i think as they were coming out mm-hmm. Um, he had it planned like ten of them. Uh, I believe somebody else picked them up and released some of them. Uh, they made a movie yeah. about uh, the girl caught in the hornet's nest. Or the the girl hornet's who nest. kicked the hornet's nest or something. That like was that. the third. That was the third one. The girl that caught in the spider's web was the one mm. that that had uh, what's her face? The play that she played the queen in the crown. Uh, do what is her name? I can see her face. The crown queen. Um, Too many people have played Elizabeth Slender. Yes, 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 yes. The Queen uh, Claire Foy played Elizabeth oh, Slender. Yeah, 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 I forgot she was in that. She was I in was that. like, ooh, can I get a... I was like, yeah, <laughs> I guess, whatever. I'm not going to see this. I was like, I want to see another Fincher movie. Right. Um, and then, so I, I read through those. Um, read a very interesting book called Boy Parts. It's, it's essentially like a very modern British female version of like... You know, train spotting and also American Psycho is that sort of thing. Uh, she's a this one is a photographer in the book, and she's like super into uh, sadomasochism and drugs and drinking, all that kind of thing. And she has a really great line. She's like, "In the land of the autistic, the man who can maintain eye contact is king." So it's this very you know smarmy, smart, very hyper modern, hyper modern writing. Weird, um, weird to just like that's a very random quote from from uh, <laughs> from Minority Report to just like pull from, right? Right. And, pull on. <laughs> um, and then one more, uh, right? Winterset Hollow. It's like uh, fucked up Aesop fables. It's it's this thing where these people go to this uh, island where um, you know a f- uh, fictitious writer created this. Um, you know, sort of like watership down sort of thing where they have, you know, anthropomorphized creatures and they, it was like a um, Winnie the Pooh sort of writer and they go to where he wrote all the books at his cottage near this lighthouse and then they find out that the creatures that he wrote about were real and then they um, take them in, they're having dinner and they're like, okay, so today is, I forget what the day it was, but they are like, today's this day, that means you got to run. It's like, why do we have to run? Because we're going to kill you and eat you. Oh, okay. It's one of those things. <laughs> you know, mm, a tale of all this time. A tale of oldest time, yeah, exactly. Right. Rhyme, oldest rhyme, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are some good books I've been reading recently. Uh, what have you been reading with pages on, on paper? <laughs> physical, big, physical, physical books. Yeah, so I've been reading physical books um, of, uh, and it's so I can't put it at two point five speed and listening to it while I'm at my job doing stuff. Uh, so I've been. Re- it's very. <laughs> Thick books with very tiny pages, so I'm about 11,000 pages into these 
very very thin uh, pages up, but I'm still working through Lord of the Rings. Um, about halfway through Return of the King now, so I'm in the home stretch, but probably still about another 500 or so pages left. Uh, maybe maybe a little less than that with yeah. the appendices, but uh, yeah, still still working on that. Still, uh, they just got it got through Pelennor Fields. So, oh. um, have you read those before? I had not. This is my first time reading through Lord of the Rings, and I've seen the movies many, many times. And I read The Hobbit back in high school, and I started to read Lord of the Rings, but it in high school, but it was a lot, and I did not get very far. So uh, I've been slowly making my way through those, and then taking breaks between each of the books and reading other books. But I'm finally getting through the third one now. Was taking a while because they're very, very long, and uh, they're good. But God, there's a lot, and it'll just be like, here's five pages on. Like what the history of this this weed that we use to heal people and what it's the common people call it and what nobles call it and you're just like, okay. <laughs> um, what's your impression of Tom Bombadil? Oh man, he was cool. He was back in book one. He he's yeah. he's kind of a weird kooky guy. I like him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you were saying like he's he's the um. He's like the uh, the stand-in for Tolkien. He's like the guy that's in there. He's just like he, he just put himself in the book in the mm-hmm. form of Tom. Um, any any big differences you're noticing as you're going through the books? I notice a lot when I, I think I listened to the books and listened to the audiobooks last year. Um, there was a few of them. Um, I think there was. Have they introduced or talked about the Eagles at all yet? I don't think so. No. no. Okay, so I'll let you get to that. I'll let you, I'll let you find out how they're different in the books. Um, yeah, they, they are, you know, they, it's, it was, it was interesting um, getting to the end of the first one, getting, getting to the end of The Fellowship of the Ring and realizing, uh, you know, spoilers for the books, I guess, and the movies, I guess, but <laughs> the death of uh, Boromir happens at the beginning of Two Towers, right? As opposed it, to the- It happens like, yeah, it like happens like between one and two almost, like yeah. where it's like, and you're like, where's Boromir? And it's just like, oh, he died over here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was kind of just like, a, you know, shoved up to the side sort of thing, as opposed to how it is in the movies where he's like slowly dying <laughs> in the yeah. Ur- Ur- like, hands. Yeah. Helm's Deep is like a chapter that goes pretty yeah. quick. And you're yeah. like, this is like in the books, it's like in or the movies, it's like the most insane, amazing battle of all time. In books is just like. We, they showed up and we won. It was great. And then Eomer showed up and we won even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very good books, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Did, did you? I don't know. Uh, you said you read. Um, you read uh, The Hobbit a while ago. Yeah, back in high school. So um, a long time ago. I think it was either in the in the um, appendix or the forward to The Hobbit, or was it for the Fellowship where? It might be at the end. I don't know. Somewhere in one of those books, Tolkien talks about how um, a lot of the responses to it was people asking him or pointing out, like, is is this book essentially like an allegory for World War Two? And he says, you know, pretty eloquently. World War One. Uh, one, yeah. Well, I mean, two because I think he fought in one, and that was the big thing that influenced a lot of him. But it, it did. But didn't his son fight in two? I thought. I thought that was like the whole allegory there. Oh, I don't know. Well, the Hobbit was written before World War Two, right? But I'm saying like the the Fellowship has that whole thing about the son, the younger the younger younger kin going off to the do another adventure just like his father no. did. 
So I thought that was I thought that maybe that was part of it. Maybe maybe not. But yeah, he said pretty much that it's, that it's not. <laughs> he said that yeah, now. Yeah, he, he's. I know he's gone on the record a lot of times and saying he fucking hates allegory. Oh really? And none of his books are <laughs> allegorical. Yeah. Yes, that's interesting. I didn't know that, but yeah, yeah, very very good books. Uh, so let's get mm-hmm. to what we've been watching. The big one, big release from last week was John Wick, Chapter Four. Uh, have you seen uh, all three John Wick movies? I have. I've seen the first three, and I did not see any of them in theaters. I saw them no. all later. Um, do you have uh, your most anticipated list pulled up? Because I don't think I have mine pulled up, and I believe it must have been a um, honorable mention because I don't see it on my list. Just curious what you had on yours. I I have no idea if I had this on my list or not. I don't no. even know where my <laughs> list even is anymore. Okay. Yeah. I just let me pull up. Uh, I was going to pull up the John Wick stuff. It's very good, obviously. It's very long. I don't know if you've heard how long it is. That's a big part of the reason why I haven't seen it yet, because it's yeah. almost three hours, and I'm like, I don't have that kind of time. I've been at cons and recording podcasts and stuff all week and trying yeah. to watch movies for other podcasts, so yeah, did not have any time. <laughs> um, so part of like watching a lot of movies the the excitement you get out of it is watching other things and be like oh that's a that's a reference to that other thing a lot of references to to other movies in this like right away there's a pretty um pretty egregious um reference to Lawrence of Arabia in the very first minute you've seen Lawrence of Arabia right yes um you know the scene where um uh what's his name Lawrence Mr. Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, uh, yeah, Larry of the Desert. Yeah. <laughs> He's smoking a cigarette and he puts... T.T. Lawrence, yeah. Yes, he, he blows out the um, the match and then it quick cuts to the desert. There's a scene mm-hmm. exactly like this in this in John Wick 4 in the very first minute. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's a cool little reference. Um, Bill Skarsgård is the main baddie here. Uh, very interesting accent. I'm, I'm somebody that really can't place accents very well, but I listened to Bill Skarsgård and I'm like, I'm not sure what the fuck that's supposed to be he's from scandinavia he's from he's one of them Skarsgård boys there's like 18 of them (laughs) he is he is from scandinavia but his character in this is called the um oh jesus christ the the baroque not the baroque but the what's like a fancy fancy french guy name connoisseur uh let's see marquis the marquis de vincent marquis vincent de gramont that's his. That's his. Sure, name. I was gonna this... say Marquis Vincent de Gramont when you asked me what's <laughs> exactly, the name of a French yeah. guy. So he's playing a French guy, and I'm like, this is very good. I don't know. I, like <laughs> I said, I can't. I can't place accents very well, but I'm pretty sure that's not a great uh, French <laughs> accent. Uh, this this movie just like it, it's a movie that you know breeze everywhere. It's three and a half hours, and I feel like or three. It's almost three hours, and I feel like two hours of it is just watching one guy walk across the room. <laughs> it's one of them. It's a scene mm. where you see um, what is the guy's name here? I have it pulled up. John Wick. He, Ian McShane walks into the loop. Jonathan. Jonathan. <laughs> what are you, Jonathan? You're excommunicado. Yeah. <laughs> he's, so, he's so good in this. Winston plays Winston, um, yeah. the manager of the New York Continental. Um, <coughs> he goes and meets up with Bill Skarsgård character in the Louvre, and he's walking across this massive room that's like it's it's a massive tall ceiling, massive like you know ten foot tall paintings, and he's just walking, 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 walking for like thirty seconds. <laughs> he finally walks up to <laughs> Bill Skarsgård. He's like, "Hey, we got a problem." He's like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? I don't know. Okay. 
<laughs> uh, let me see right. my notes. Um, it's 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 anime as fuck. It's anime as fuck. Uh, you got a guy. You got Donnie Yen playing Kane, and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Neo Genesis Evangelion, but there's a scene. There's a character in no, there. No, I've had sex, so I have not seen. Oh, that. Co- oh come on! Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. So there's a guy in there with glasses, and you know how they do that thing in anime where they don't show like a person's face or they don't show the eyes. They just show. Like, oh yeah, that, you know that's a bad guy because you're like oh. Uh oh, I didn't yeah. see Show Tucker's eyes. I you hope he doesn't see combine his... someone with a dog. Right, right. <laughs> they have a fucking they have a um a shot just like that with Donnie Yen and his glasses, just like, oh wow. Mm. This is fucking anime. This is way more anime than um than Creed Three. Creed <laughs> This is this is the movie Creed Three wanted to be with it with the mm. amount of anime in this fucking thing. Just just oh my god, neon Japan fucking Kyoto battles in there with the with the um, uh, what do they call the fucking the pe- the pellets the 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 petals coming off the uh, sakura what? trees the the pink petals you know you know what I'm talking oh, about oh the petals the petals man the petals from the sakura you ever seen a sakura tree with the the, the rose pink? the rose blossoms or whatever they're called rose blossoms yes that thing yeah yeah just everywhere uh it mm-hmm. is balletic be- it is graceful but it's also mm-hmm. like they they john wick gets in the ground and he's grappling and he's and he's sloppy and the feral fighting just grabbing dudes by the collar and just head them it's it's great it's amazing you, you gotta watch this fucking movie you have to I, do you, yeah do you I'm, like, I'm going to do you like uh big audacious bombastic action choreography is that your thing? Is that get your mojo going? I like it. I like it when it's in support of the story and it's doing yeah. a good job of it. Like I think the John Wick movies, particularly one and two, especially the finale of two, do a really good job of like, oh, here's some really good action, but they're serving a larger character arc. They're serving some, or yeah, one too. Like uh, they're they're serving, you know, kind of you understand what these characters are going through and why they are moving this way, as opposed to like it would be really cool to see the rock punch vin diesel in the face or whatever yeah um so what is your opinion on things like the raid which are essentially just this movie the the <laughs> the story is guys fight <laughs> drug dealer uh, cops. Raid, i yeah. like the raid but not as much as everyone else apparently okay. likes the raid yeah. like the raid is fine it is just like a it, like i really appreciate the things they're doing in that but it's yeah there's not a lot of story there yeah, I mean that has one of my favorite fight scenes of all time, the the two on one fight in the yeah. uh that, that bathroom, I think. Yeah, just Yeah, uh, and then they got those guys, the raid guys in the end of three. They do, exactly. Yep. Incredible. Yeah, I, I've always been I grew up um with um people that were very athletic athletically minded they had a tra- trampoline in their uh backyard they went to gym fest they did um they did parkour they did uh tricking you know you know what tricking is it's just like jumping and flipping and back flipping and all sorts of things oh. beat b twists and all that jazz okay are you, are you familiar i had not heard of that i had not heard that phrase before tricking no 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 yeah. unless it was unless ssx was before and I had not heard. <laughs> good game, good game. But yeah, no, yeah. they they did that sort of stuff. They they filmed themselves and they put it on YouTube and you can still look it up. I might I'll, I'll link it to it to a YouTube video from when I was like <laughs> eighteen doing that stuff. But uh, they got me. I was into that a little bit, but then they were they were totally into that. They were into you know Jet Li and Jackie Chan and every major release from Hong Kong. Uh, 
Hong Kong martial arts movie they watched over and over again. You know, they they watched the Bruce Lee, the classics, and they watched every samurai movie, all that stuff. They they got me into that stuff heavily. So I'm definitely into that into that genre very much. So I appreciate it when when it, when it's when it looks good. Um, you know, there's stuff like obviously there's the meme of the Liam Neeson jumping over the fence with the 17 cuts in that one scene. Right. Uh, but there's lesser versions of that where you can see the editor and the director had to cut around people that didn't actually do the choreography. So you know, speaking of Keanu Reeves and martial arts and Lawrence Fishburne and martial arts, you know, The Matrix was so revolutionary not just not just because of the the camera tech. But also the the actors were doing the stunts. They went through like three months of actual martial arts training. You know, Carrie Ann Moss and Lars Fishburne and um, Keanu Reeves and everyone they did the stunts with. All the extras and everybody, all the supporting actors did all that stuff. So that's why that stuff looks so good. And it's the same thing here. So, yeah, great, great stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, one thing, one question I have is yes. they, they brought back Lawrence Fishburne. When are they going to bring back, um, when are they going to bring back, uh, what's his name from Bill and Ted, the other guy? Uh, uh, Alex yeah. Winter. Alex Winter, when yes. When is Alex Winter going to show up in one of these movies? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They should definitely do that. I don't know. He, he was good. He was good in the um, Bill and Ted. Yeah. Comeback. He doesn't really act anymore, but he was no, good. He, he was doesn't. good in Bill and Ted. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. yeah. Show up at John Wick. Yes. John Wick 7 or whatever. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, bunch of TV this week. Haven't had too much time for any movies, but because there's so much TV going on. Ted Lasso episodes 2 and 3 uh, came out this week. Actually, let me see. Was it 2 and 3? Yeah, just 2 and 3. Um, yeah, it's still that show. I think they're, they're... I was talking to Dean about this last time he was on, and I feel like some of the hesitancy I'm having with it and Dion's having with it, a lot of other people are having with it is just they're trying to juggle uh, multiple storylines, at least six or seven storylines. There's like a there's like an A plot, a B plot, a C plot, a D plot. Just just way too much st- uh, stuff going on. Um, you said you haven't you don't, you're not a Lasso guy, right? You haven't seen any of these. I fucking love Ted Lasso. Oh, okay. I've seen, I'm, sorry. I'm completely caught up. I love Ted Lasso. You're cut, you're caught up. Okay. I think you're insane. I love. I think that, <laughs> yeah, more stories. There's not enough. I want more Ted Lasso. Give me, give me all the stories. Okay. I do not agree. <laughs> okay. What do you think about the other thing we were saying last time, which I still agree with? Um, I think they are writing every character like Ted. Everybody has sort of witty and quippy now. Everybody, everybody does a quip. Um, I'm not sure. I have to go back. I haven't rewatched any of the first two seasons in a while, so. I have to go back and refresh, but I feel like uh, they weren't as quippy as they are this season. What do you think about that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think I'm going to hear uh, Roy Kent throw out any dad puns, and I don't think right. I have. So right. I don't know. Um, new character they just they introduced. Just call people fucking fucking Muppet or whatever. <laughs> new character they introduced uh, this episode called Zava. He's very funny. Zava. Zava. Yeah. What do you think of him? He's he's clearly Zoltan, uh, the the French soccer player. He's clearly uh, like a one for one of him. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I was like, this guy kind of sucks. He's really interesting. He's make me. He's definitely making me very endeared to Jamie Tart, who is a really great character. Um, and yeah, I just I, it's kind of interesting to because he's he's mixing things up, and I'm really curious to see that the effect that Ted is going to have on him in the long run. Uh, so yeah, I, I liked all of that. Um, did you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes, I did. Uh, Zava, the actor who played Zava, uh, his name is Maximilian Ozinski. Apparently he was in 27 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He played Agent Davis. 
Oh, shit! Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't recognize him because he's just like a generic white dude in the Age of the Shield. Like he doesn't yeah. have long hair or like an accent or nothing. Right. Yeah, he's like he's like the he's like fucking it's like he it's like him and this other like uh it's like him and his partner. They're like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. They're just like the B team. Like there's the main agents, and then they, it's like oh we need to get some more faces on this. They, and it, spoiler alert for Agents, I think he like dies tragically, and they're like oh man, we cared so much about Davis. It's like. Wait, did we know him? I guess he's been on this a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, yeah, uh, I was going to say. I think uh, you know there was <clears throat> there was almost no Nate in this episode, and I feel like you know yeah. going going back to the whole trying to juggle a lot of um, storylines. You know that is the main one of the main storylines is <clears throat> what's going to happen with Nate. What's going to happen with the team? Oh, that's something I want to ask you before I forget. Um, they were talking about this, I think, on the watch about how. You know what is what do we want? From, what do you want from the show? Do you want them to win at the end and have this great uplifting um, ending, with, which leaves you with a great feeling, or do you think they? I don't know the word to use. Need to lose, should lose, to have a sort of learning moment of like every you know accepting loss, accepting defeat is a part of life. What do you think? Mm, I mean, that's the point of that. But I want to. I want to win, and I want Ted to. Then retire and go back to his son uh, in Kansas, and I want Roy Kent to become the new coach, and uh, like Ted to leave this legacy um, and show that uh, positivity and kindness are not exclusive from winning, and you can still accomplish great things while not trampling on other people like Nate is doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I don't know. You know, they they did they win last season? That was how they got um, back in. Yeah, yeah, because that's the way the um, the soccer works in England. Is if you are come in like the last couple spots, um, then you get relegated, and if you come in the top couple spots, or it's how all of European football works um, is you. And if you do, you get put up to the next level. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I would, you know, either way, it works, works for me, you know. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Succession Season 4 um, debuted this week. Uh, this is this is the one you haven't seen any of, correct? I have not. Yes. Uh, in my opinion, a lot of people's opinion, best show on TV, best written show on TV, uh, you know, one of the best acted shows on TV, um, one of the most cringeworthy <laughs> shows on TV, especially with Cousin Greg. Um. Yeah, it's just every. I, I don't yes. know anything about the show other than, but here's yes. Damn it, Greg. I'm Brian Cox. Is that is that like just a bit? Fuck off. Yeah, it's Brian Cox just going fuck, fuck off. off. Yeah, fuck off, Greg. Don't fuck off, cover Greg. <laughs> the X Men too. <laughs> he was an X Men too. He played. Uh, what was the character's name? He had a weird Stryker. name. Striker. Exactly. My son's exactly. a mutant. Fuck off, mutant. Mutant <laughs> Didn't he have like a weird like cameo part in the ring, the ring remake? Didn't he kill himself I in the bathroom? I have no idea. I've not seen a second of those ring movies. Oh man, the ring one is a fantastic, one of the best horror movies of all time. I will go like to my the ring grave. one Japan or the ring run America? American version. Okay, well, I, I, I'm once more interested in the Javanese version because yeah. it seems spooky right. and also because uh, Hiroki, it's like one of the few movies that Hiroyuki Sonata is in that where he's like the main character. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I watched that. I didn't recognize him in that. Yeah, um, he's young as shit. 
he was he was very young in that 98 99 i want to say i think it was like one year one or two years before the american remake um but yeah this this it's still going still it's it's a weird dynamic different dynamic um this season um not to really spoil anything but they the kids sort of uh broke off from their father finally the the whole crux of the show just to you know give you a uh, top line overview of the show. It's, you know, the kids are wanting to take over from their father. The father was supposed to retire at the beginning of the entire show. And he decided, no, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to keep going just to drag you guys along. So they've been pissed at him the entire time. They've been waiting for him to retire and been basically trying to, um, you know, get, um, curry favor with their father by by trying to be good business people, business business acclimated people, um, and they've tried to buy their love. You know, this is a show that's very much in line with a lot of the themes and ideas at the center of Ted Lasso. It's about acceptance. They they desperately, desperately, desperately want acceptance from their father. They want love. They want attention. They want to. Yeah, they want all the stuff from their father who refuses to give it to them. You know, it's a very it's one of the most toxic relationships I've ever seen. You know, it's 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 the father just being a fucking dick to their kids all the time, even and manipulative too, but being like, you know, apologizing and saying he's sorry one moment, then flipping out the next, you know. Um, do want to just highlight some of my favorite quotes from from this episode, some great lines. Um, the context for this this quote is the uh, Tom and Greg are at a party, uh, a birthday party for their father, and Greg brought a brought a date, and Tom is talking to Greg about the date, and he's like looking at her and be like, she's brought a she's she's brought a ludicrously ludicrously yeah let me try that again three two one she's brought a ludicrously blah 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 capricious capacious bag what's even in there flat shoes for the subway her lunch pail it was very, it was much much funnier when he said it because i screwed screw it up royally and it screwed up royally ladies i have a i have a large tongue that's why i can't say ludicrous free like ludicrous 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 save ludicrous. it for okay cupid man. ludicrous <laughs> ludicrously capricious ludicrous. bag ludicrously yes. capricious capricious yeah exactly you say it you God say it, it. ludicrously capricious ludicrously capricious bag yeah anyways number two <laughs> um so they are they broke off from their father they broke off from uh what is the name of the company uh, Succession Inc. Succession Inc. Exactly. Um, Roy, something, something Logan Roy Inc. or something like that. Anyways, they broke out. The three kids broke off from the company. They're starting. They started their own company. They're trying to, and it's called the One Hundred. And they're trying to talk about what is the idea behind it. And one of them, one of them says, "Quote: So the Hundred is the Substack meets Master Class meets the Economist meets the New Yorker. So it's <laughs> it's this aggregate aggregate site. You know, we all love the aggregate site. That's that's the thing." Every Everyone wants these days is just, you know, swishing all the news together, you know, sports and entertainment, video games, food, you know, uh, the economy, all that shit. We all want that, you know, you know, mushed together because we all want the same thing. Yeah, right. (laughs) And we also want, you know, really upscale, obscure references with, uh, you know, one caption uh, comics. Exactly. That's what we all want. Yep. Yeah, Um, totally. Totes my goats. Totes goats, exactly. Um, let me see. You know, you, you just have to watch it for the the tone of the scene. You know, the the scenes are so well written because it's one person talking over over another. You know, I've seen 
maybe a handful of movies and TV shows that do that and can do it even well. Um, I'd love to know like, behind the scenes how they do that, you know, because obviously you have to come in at a certain point and you have to wait for the other person to stop. But in this show, everybody's talking at the same time. People are stuttering and stammering. And then you, you can't really know when somebody's finished with their line because it's always like broken up with these ums and ahs and, and, and things like that. So be really interested to know how that actually works um, on the day they're shooting. Um, and also the, also the camera's moving around. There's no like, um, you know, design to where the camera is sitting at one point. The camera is never locked down. The camera, it has that like, you know, documentary feel of the camera being in the room and sort of shaking and zooming in and zooming out and going to somebody else uh, at the, uh, on a whim. You know, it's, it's a very energetic sort of uh, camera movement. So one of the best written shows, one of the best shot shows, one of the best acted shows in the world ever. In my opinion, so okay. if, there, if there's All one right. show I'd recommend watching, it would, it would be that. Um, okay, I'll have to watch it. I got a yeah. long list of shows to watch, but I'll, yeah. I'll make sure to watch that one. It's, pr- it's probably this for like you know, um, what do you call it? Traditionally, traditional length of a show, traditionally shot mm-hmm. and stuff. But a flea bag, in terms of just like a short show that that just started and ended. That's you know six episodes per season. Have you seen Have you seen Fleabag? I have not, and I do like Phoebe Waller Bridge a lot, so yeah. that's also high on the list. Yeah, yeah. This one and Fleabag are probably my top two favorite TV shows I've seen in the past like five, ten years. So there's that. Um, let's see. We've seen we've seen Mandalorian uh, episode. I've seen yeah. episode four. I have. I'm currently in in the throes of a uh, escape from Tarkov addiction, so I wasn't able to <laughs> catch up on Mandalorian five. I also heard it wasn't too great. I'm not. I'm not very high in that show. You you were not very high on. Um, let's see. What, what were we talking about earlier? Something else. But yeah, I'm not high on. Mandalorian, I think you were talking about in yeah. terms of, yeah, just comparing. I know it's not fair. It's really, not, I understand it's not fair to compare this to, to Andor because that was like the high watermark of all Star Wars ever. I get that. I get it's not fair to compare because it's a different writer. I mean, I mean, it's very good, but Empire Strikes Back exists. So just like slow, slow down just a bit, Damien. That's not, it's... It's uncomparable again. <laughs> that's that's my problem with the Star Wars stuff. It's like you know you have stuff from the seventies, you have stuff from fifty years ago, you have stuff from you know twenty years ago with that writing, with that CGI, with that court, with that level of choreography, and then you have stuff from like you know seven eight years ago with that stuff with different actors, different writers. It's it's yeah. just such a mixed bag in terms of quality. Which is good. I like Wars that stuff. it's a lot of different yeah. things. You know, it's it's very. I, I like that there's a little bit of a lot of variety in this universe, and I, I hate it when it gets a little too homogenous, and it's just like oh this is. You know, the same thing. I like it when it's like, ooh, Andor feels very different than a, um, you know, like a, a Mandalorian. Those are two different, like, this is a humongous galaxy. It doesn't all need to be about these fucking wizards. And that's one thing I don't like about Mandalorian is it's trying to tie too much into the Skywalker saga films recently uh, that I don't like that. I'm like, it was cool when he was just doing his own thing. And now he's just like, oh, well, we have to explain how somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> Somehow, you can see it on his face, man. Just look at his face, <laughs> fucking Oscar <laughs> his face. Somehow, uh, uh, Palpatine uh, has returned. I guess whatever, man. Yep. Give me my check. <laughs> he's like he's like the younger version of fucking Harrison Ford. He's like yeah. Palpatine um, uh, has uh, returned or whatever. Give me my check. Thank you. <laughs> um, so anyways, tell me what you thought of a Mandalorian episodes four and five. 
You know, what was the what was the one where it was like a fucking don't do an operation paperclip? Was that was that four or was that uh, three? That was three. Yep. Okay. That was really good. Yeah. I mean there's some good stuff in these movies or these shows. There's some really interesting things, but uh I saw this tweet and it was like, hey, maybe it was a bad idea for your characters to have this emotional reunion on a entirely different show. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like the whole arc got completed and then they just reset it so now no one makes any decisions or does anything that grows characters it's all just fun star wars stuff and i'm just like and i get it people love dave filoni and fucking what's the other guy the guy with the dumb hat um (laughs) those guys who were like the star wars mandalorian guys yeah like i don't think they understand character arcs i really don't because okay the Mandalorian doesn't have one. I mean, he did in the first two seasons, and then he completed that arc, and now it's just he's just a guy, and he's just got Grogu, and it's all about like the mythology and the lore of all this stuff. And I get it. Like, Filoni's like, yeah, the duel of the fates is that's so important, and blah 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 blah. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to see him fucking go and hang out with Space Raylan in this episode. <laughs> where is space Rayland? Like, where is? The, I just loved in the first two seasons. It was so episodic and interesting. It was very much like a poker face. And I get it. Speaking of Rayland, like things can change. Like Justified started out as like a kind of case of the week thing, and it, it grew into more of a long form overarching story. And this, you know, so you can do that, but I don't think that it has pivoted successfully. I still, there is still a lot to like about it. There's a lot of interesting things that it's doing, especially. There was a battle scene in this last episode that was the best Star Wars battle since probably Rogue One. Um, it was just absolutely phenomenal. Where the this the it's like there's a pirate king attacking the city and we need the Mandalorians. And I'm like this is badass. But then I'm like it, it's not and it's not doing a lot. I think the character who is maybe experiencing mm-hmm. the most character growth is Bo-Katan. Uh, I I'm like. But I want to be like, hey, uh, you know that this cult that Mando is in is bad, right? And he almost got out of it, but then he just like, and he made this big sacrifice to take off his helmet. But it's cool. He took a, he took a dip in some water, and now he's back in this awful cult. And I'm like, when is this show going to come down on cults are bad? Like, when is that going to happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When is it going to be like? Yeah, do usually said Andor is different than. Mandalorian and they should they should do different things but you know they obviously are trying to connect the two ideas you know with this show of being like this is where the first order got started this is where they dropped the ball this is their this is what happens when you know republic or any sort of institution gets too um what do you call it uh what's that word get not too casual but too um complacent complacent thank you that was the exact word yep um too complacent and thinking that you know they won they beat the empire because it's mm-hmm. taking place after a return of jedi so they are you know obviously getting bogged down in the minutiae in the bureaucracy of it all um i think there's a lot of st- stuff we saw in andor um i think uh, hopefully you know they do a better job of mixing the bureaucratic stuff the political stuff with the more, you know, actual action oriented stuff better than, you know, like Phantom Menace and um, Attack of the Clones did. Hopefully they learn, they take a lesson from that. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I think, what do, do you, what do you think was the worst idea or the, the sort of dis- worst decision of having the reunion 
happen in Book of Boba Fett, having the reunion happen at all, or having having the reunion, right, in Book of Boba Fett, you can do that, but then have something else happen in the third season of Mandalorian. Because like you said, I agree. It's like we had that story arc that was done in season two and also in – and then you had the reunion, reunion in Book of Boba, Boba Fett. So, yeah, I'm, like I said, I am also struggling with wondering – why revive that storyline, right? Yeah, because I feel like it's just like, well, we like he's just like he's he's like like what is Mando then like other than him just this, that's all he's been for two seasons is him connecting with Grogu, but that felt like a really natural and earned conclusion to that story, and then to just bring it back, bring it just bringing it back abruptly is one thing, but bringing it back abruptly on an entirely different show is is beyond frustrating. And I think that it maybe could have worked if, like, season three had been about them getting back together and you would spend a whole season earning that back. But to not even do it on this show is so fucking annoying, especially since Book of Boba Fett is very, very bad. That's a terrible <laughs> show. Like, like I've been talking a lot of shit about Mandalorian, but I still think it is a legitimately good and interesting show a lot of the time. I would not say the same thing for Book of Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett is... It's maybe the worst Star Wars. Like I, I would, and I, I'd say it's probably worse than Attack of the Clones, which was a low bar. Yeah. So, um, the only good point, things about Boba Fett is when it pretended to be Mandalorian, and it was it's just Mandalorian would show up and do stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. How many more episodes? Like probably. Th- I think they said we're halfway through, or more than halfway through, right? I think yeah. There's n- eight or nine episodes. I think there's nine episodes. I want to say this season. Um, I could yeah. be wrong, but. So yeah, about a halfway point. So I'm, I'm, it's, it's honestly like the jury's still out on this season. Like I still haven't made my mind up if it's good or bad. I still kind of want to see where it's going. Yeah, yeah, I do too. It'll be very interesting to see how they end this because, like I said, they are timeline wise, they're butting up against the uh, return of the of the first order, new order. Yeah, new yeah. order. Yeah, whatever they're called, first order. First order, yeah. <laughs> first order, yeah. New order is a band. Um, that good was band. Good, good band. band. Were they were they split Joy off? Division. They were yes. They broke off from uh, Joy Division when uh, yeah. After what's his face died, he died. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Uh, let's see. So let me talk a little bit about Yellow Jackets because it was one of my favorite shows from last year. It returned, uh, season one uh, or season two, episode one. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Is how that. Uh, phrase finishes and they have a ear moment <laughs> in this show at the end of this, this first episode. This show's intro is one of my favorite intros of all time. If nobody's seen this uh, intro, just look up the uh, Yellow Jackets um, intro music, intro thing, intro theme. It's very, very good. Um, has some of my favorite music of all time. I don't know if we ever talked about <clears throat> our music and how we, you know, first discovered how we got into music. I was, you know, uh, like 13 or 14 in the late 90s. So I, I just missed that cutoff of, you know, the grunge movement. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I think people a lot of, uh, will assume or will sort of place the height of grunge when after, or, you know, around the time Kurt Cobain died. Um, you know, they had other stuff coming out from them. Obviously, the Seattle movement didn't end with him. They had, you know, great bands like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, all those guys. They still made good stuff after that, but that was really at the peak of it. So I sort of missed out on that. And I very much deep dived on into that. Um, 
you know, late nineties, early two thousands. I was digging through that for a lot of that time. So I was very much into Smashing Pumpkins. So they have a song from them in this episode. They have Garbage. I fucking love Garbage. <laughs> garbage Fanatic huh. fifteen was my email address for a long, long time. I was obsessed huh. with Garbage. <laughs> um. It's a very interesting mix of stuff because, you know, it cuts back from 97 or 98 to 2021. So they have uh, Papa Roach's Last Resort in this episode. A very funny scene with that. Uh, they also have Sharon Van Etten, one of my favorite new, new newly found um, folk indie artists. Um, they have a song from her called 17 that opens up this episode. Um, yeah, just one of, one of the best shows on TV right now. I would highly recommend getting into this. I mean, yeah, I, I would watch it if I had Showtime, but uh, yeah. I'm not shelling out that extra $15 a month or whatever. Sorry. Yeah, you can just do, you know, one month or one trial run or whatever, yeah. then turn it off or turn it back on again or whatever. I already did that for After Yang. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I think, aren't they doing, um, I think HBO, didn't HBO Max buy, buy up A24 stuff or somebody did, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Showtime's going to merge with Paramount at some point. Or, oh, the or Paramount, something, Paramount. So. yes, that. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, so. Yeah, and then I'll get it because I, I just got Paramount, so. Yeah, yep. Uh, let's see. Was that all my stuff? I believe so. Okay, let's get to some of the stuff you've been watching. You watched 65, the Adam Driver dinosaur movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this movie should have been easy. This should have been a home run, and it was not. It it was really fucking boring. Like, I don't know how you take a movie where it's, it's like they took the, the worst parts, the uninteresting parts of like all the lore, but none of the cool shit from Jupiter ascending where they're like, yeah, like he's, he's like a space. It's like actually set 65 million years ago. He's like not a human. He's like a spaceman from some other planet. And while he's, he's like space trucking or whatever, and they get hit by a fragment of the asteroid and crash into Earth. And there's barely any goddamn dinosaur. It like becomes like the gray, where it's just like this somber story about survival. But at least the gray was like, like where it also had a very deceptive trailer. But at least the gray was like, okay, like this is like a cold, dark Liam Neeson movie. And this one is like, this is a movie about a spaceman shooting laser beams at dinosaurs. This should not be this gray and boring. This should be fun and also the the tone does not work with a lot of the character work and stuff like that um and there's put some dinosaurs in your dinosaur movie with adam driver <laughs> where he's got a laser gun like how hard is that uh, and like they, uh, they 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 the two characters it's him and like what it's like a lo, it's like a mandalorian lone wolf and cub thing yeah. where he's got to protect and like they just have them not able to speak the same language and so it's just like they don't even there's no dialogue in the movie. Like it's just Adam Driver talking to someone who can't understand him. And I'm just like, why Why were any of these choices made? It should have been so good. And I was so hyped to see it. And it was so boring. Uh, there will be uh, dinosaurs in your uh, dinosaur movie. Yes. That's exactly. I literally <laughs> had that exact thought. And I was just like, uh, like, I, like halfway through, I would just want to be like, yeah. hello. Uh, 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 Adam, Adam Driver, uh, there are going to be uh, uh, di- dinosaurs in your uh, dinosaur film. <laughs> That's too bad. Um, do you think he does like you know you know that phrase one for them one for us right the the that old phrase yeah, Hollywood yeah, yeah. phrase is this like 
I'd be interested to know if he was, you know, wanting to do this or if he was the studio was like, okay, you can go and make your weird white noise movie or whatever, but you got to do this 65 movie for us first. Is, do you think that that sort of system or that sort of um, template is still around? Do you think he's, and this is an example of that? I don't know. Like, cause this feels like, you know, you don't, this isn't connected to a franchise or anything. It's not any IP. So I was like, okay, like he's doing something new and different, but it it wasn't that at all. So, yeah. you know, who who knows why he did this, how big of a paycheck he got. But I don't think this movie did particularly well with audiences or critics. Yes. Um, speaking- of, of the two movies that yeah. I watched this week that were numbers, um, this is not, even though it's a higher number, it's nowhere near as good as 42. I'll say that. Uh- <laughs> Um, trying to think of a segue. Don't have one for Babylon. The Derek or the uh, Damien Chazelle <laughs> said, said your name instead of my name. One of us. One of us. One of our Chazelles. Damien Chazelle's epic. Speaking of epics, speaking of one for them or one for us, Damien Chazelle's movie about movies, about the movie industry, about the studio system. What do you think of Babylon. You know, I I really appreciate everything that he was trying to do with this movie. And I I like all the stuff that he's saying about like, oh, Hollywood is the this industry of Hollywood is pretty terrible, but it makes some pretty amazing things at the same time. And getting to be a part of this is both terrible, but also great. And all this really big bombastic stuff that he's doing and saying and this it's this love letter to old cinema and. I liked what it was going for, but it was one of those movies where like the pieces didn't really add up to the what I want. It's it's a movie where the the parts are more than the sum of the whole. Yes. Uh, so it it didn't exactly work for me. I it's definitely my least favorite Chazelle movie by quite a bit because I think his first three are all masterpieces, and this one, it's it's kind of a mess. I feel like a lot of the characters don't have satisfying conclusions a couple of them just disappear or their characters just kind of peter out um the brad pitt arc was i think the one really powerful part but then you have that just juxtaposed with like he has this ridiculous and then it's just like he's he's in an alligator underground sex pit with fucking spider-man and he stabs you (laughs) subtly to death and you're just like what is fucking happening here So I, it, 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 you know, I want. It's one of those movies where, like, I respect it, but it's not great. I get why it has its really diehard supporters, and uh, I think Sean Fennessy or somebody called yes. it on basically yes. an overnight cult movie. Yes, because it doesn't. It definitely has that feel. But um, yeah, there's some stuff, and like, you know, you talked about like there's. I'm not at all bothered by gratuity and just you know grossness but when it feel it felt like a lot of the grossness in this movie was it didn't serve any it's like the same thing we've talked about action movies like when you have the elephant just shitting on someone it was like what what was the point of that like why was that there like when they had all the people shitting and puking all over the place in triangle of sadness yeah like this is saying something this is really great this is like you know taking like the stuff they're saying about like you know, the bourgeoisie and stuff and all that was really interesting. And this, it just felt like, well, I can have an elephant shit on somebody, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, cool. Um, so, I don't know. A mixed bag, for sure. 
Yeah, I think I'm somewhere between you and Sean Fantasy. I think Sean Fantasy got Babylon pilled. <laughs> He's totally yeah. in the Babylon camp. Um, yeah, like you said, it is definitely the some of those parts are, are uh, what would you say, the the you know, compartmentalizing parts of it are it's easier, it's better than the rest of it, all, all of it together. Right. Um, because I think it's trying to say like the system, the Hollywood system, the infrastructure, the business side of it is bad, but mm-hmm. the product, the products that it produces is good. And I think it is saying that or trying to say that, but doing that all in one movie without, you know, Maybe, like you said, a steadier hand in terms of writing a more coherent and cohesive character arcs would have made a stronger movie um, Mm. overall. You know, he's saying like, and he has that one character come in at the end, watch the movies, and he's like, well, oh, this is what movies are now. Oh, wow. I had no idea. One day they're going to make Avatar. (laughs) Yeah. One day they'll make Avatar and he's crying over Avatar. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I can just imagine, like, dude, can you imagine people like back, back then, like freaking out over the train, the great train robbery, and the train coming at them at the screen, they would have a heart attack. They would die. They would have a stroke if you showed them <laughs> Avatar. <laughs> I would love to. I love to see people's reactions of that. But yeah, it's just overall uh, mixed, very mixed bag, um, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively uh, mixed mixed bag of stuff. Um, I thought Margot Robbie was <clears throat> probably one of her best roles uh, I've ever seen her in. Yeah, uh, very energetic. She was very good. She was very good in this. Um, you know, the scene where she's like, they bring her on. She's like, can you cry? And they're like, can you do like one tear? And they're like, well, can you do like yeah. one tear, but then hold the next one for three seconds and then cry? She's like, yes. It's like that's, you yeah. know, <laughs> if, if she's doing that, I can imagine, I think mm-hmm. people can do that. Like that's a thing actors can do. Um, and, it, you know, I really, it's one of those things that I pick up on. Like I watch people's eyes and watch the cuts and be like, that, that was like a very thick <laughs> drop yeah. tear droplet that's clearly they just dropped the drop they did a cut they dropped it in there and then they cut back to him um, it was fucking blood diamond when they have the digital tear in jennifer conley's eye <laughs> i've never seen blood diamond i've, I've always wanted oh, to you see gotta watch that movie. It's a fucking good leo's movie, leo's south african accent i've always wanted to see that in uh, aeroplanes man <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad I saw it. I mean, at least in Goldman. <laughs> I think this is um, this is probably a movie that doesn't get made in like five years. You know, I think we've talked to death about you know the um, big movies get made. I'm surprised it got little... made in 2022. Right. Like that's amazing. It is amazing. It's just because he had fucking you know three or at least two like humongous successes, and he had a blank check. Bit of blank check, exactly, um, and almost, and almost very came very close, the closest that anyone's ever come to winning Best Picture. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah very good movie. I'm glad I saw it. Uh, let's see what yeah, else we got too. in here. So you saw that, I saw that. Um, let me go back a second. I want to ask you something about TV shows now because we have a writer strike coming up in the next few months. Possible writer strike coming up. Um, Andy and Chris were talking about this on. The watch about how you know succession after that ends it's like a, a barren desert of, of good tv quote-unquote good tv after that do you think uh, this will mark the end of prestige tv where we sort of you can sort of mark the beginning of it with stuff like breaking bad and mad men back in the mid to late 2000s do you think this is the marking the end of this period of prestige tv no no absolutely not they're still they're still making a shit ton of like 
like great TV shows, you know. Uh, there, there's like, how long did it take Breaking Bad to, you know, hit? It was like season three or four. There's a million streamers now. There's so many talented people writing in Hollywood, and so there's we're in an era of t- like I don't see like the the quality's not just gonna like change. There's still there's still all these amazing writers and stuff like that, amazing showrunners. Uh, who are going to make this, the people who work, like Damon Lindelof and all these guys are still working in the industry. So, no, like, I don't think anything's going to change. We've been through writer strikes before, and TV has just gotten better and better. Yeah, um, I I hope I agree. I hope you're right. Um, I think the stuff is going to get harder to find. You know, like Mad Men and Breaking Bad were on, a, were on AMC. That's a cable channel. I think... The Breaking Bads and the, the Mad Men's and the Better Call Souls of the World are probably going to be on Paramount, Paramount Plus, and it's going to be on Hulu, and they're going to be on. Yeah. They're going to yeah. be all over the place. I think it's going to be harder to find. Um, one of the things they talked about recently was a show called The Bureau. It was a French TV show, so I think you know you're going to have to dig dig for stuff like that. You're going to have to like you just have to work harder. I think you have to work pretty hard now. To find some of the good stuff, mm. like I said, Fleabag was a BBC thing, that wasn't a cable show. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the, a lot of the a lot of the quote unquote good stuff, a lot of the prestige TV, I agree with you, it isn't going away, but it's definitely going off of mainstream TV. You know, like, yeah, like lost. I, it's it's yeah, it's a lot. It's like you said, going to streaming. There's just there's more and more good TV everywhere every year, so it becomes harder to find the truly great TV. That is yes, I. That's very well said. It's it's going to be so much because there's so many like shrinkings, and there's so many mm-hmm. like um, what's the other one? Mystic Quest, which I heard is very good. But like you yeah, said, yeah. a lot of good shows, a lot of great shows, but it's going to cover up and it's going to, I don't say distill or, um, you know, finding the great stuff, finding the the best of the best, finding the cream of the crop, is going to be harder, you know. So. Yeah, but I mean, look, we still, we just like, you know, speaking of stuff that like The Last of Us is is season one this this year. So, you know, that's something new. There's always things that are new and great that are, that are coming out all the time. Yes. Um, Which, by the way, I finally started The Last of Us. I just watched oh. episode three last night. <laughs> nice. What'd you think of that? Give me a quick. It quick. was really fucking good. Yeah. It was really, I, I like it a lot. Um, also, one side note is uh, I... I looked at the timeline and I was like, "Oh no, wait a minute!" And I I realized because they, when in the game it starts in the present, aka twenty thirteen, and then goes twenty years in the future. Yep. In this, they do it backwards. It's like we like like the present of the show is explicitly twenty twenty three. So the outbreak starts twenty years ago in two thousand and three. Yep. And I looked at the date and it start the the everything starts to go wrong on september 26 2003 and then by the time nick offerman is in his bunker it's you know the world is fucking falling apart over a weekend and it's september 30th which means everything that's the moment everything has changed mr brightside had its first commercial release on september 29th so that means that we did not get mr brightside in this reality and damien that makes me so sad that makes me sadder (laughs) than anything else (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what we don't get in that reality is the Red Sox winning the World Series. They won in 2004. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Well, shut the I fuck up. I hate the Sox. <laughs> fucking hate the Sox. <laughs> you hate them? Why do you hate them? I do. Because they're fans of the worst fans in the world. And I live in Los Angeles with the they're, fucking Lakers. They're the worst fans? I think Philadelphia is the worst fans. Uh, okay. Philadelphia. They. You're right. Philadelphia threw batteries <laughs> at Santa Claus. So they. You. congrats. You guys are better than that. But oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of fucking just like like homophobic assholes yes homophobic racist games racist yes yes yeah well, some of the worst people how about, how about we say yeah. worst people bad yeah some some of the bit worst fans yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> i can't remember what fucking it was some stand-up comedian he was talking about like uh the Celtics and how like people were mad that there's like it's just like what if the Celtics just like listened to their fans and they were just like the Celtics are all in 56 it's like oh O'Malley passes to Seamus uh, and it's just like <laughs> well the the Celtics they're all in 56 this year but you know they're playing the right way all right <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, so that's about it for that. Let's get to our letterbox assignments from last time. Last time I mm-hmm. got a movie called My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. This was put on my wish list because my cousin uh, recommended it to me. Uh, what's up? Uh, what's up, Ryan? He gave me a good um, good recommendation there. Um, this is a very much like um, I watched this and I was like, if you like this sort of thing, if you like this sort of dreary, dour, um, psychological thriller, horror thing, I would highly recommend watching um, The Killing of Two Lovers. It's sort of like that. It's a very much a an actor's movie. It's very much based on just uh, two people, two, a married couple having this sort of gradual breakdown. Um, it, is, it is essentially, you know, spo- uh, slight spoiler for this, but it is essentially about, um, I believe, a, a husband and a wife trying to keep, I think, their son, who is a vampire. You know, it's alluded to that he's a vampire, so he's just trying to keep him in their house um, so nobody ever sees him, nobody can come to the door, nobody can play with him. They have to keep him there, and they have to bring... Um, you know, derelicts that they bring um, vagabonds back home and feed him, those type of people. <clears throat> so it's a, it's a quiet little dour, um, you know, very independent movie. I think it was made for, I want to say, like, you know, 600000 which sounds like a lot. But, you know, <clears throat> for a mainstream movie, it's, it's not a lot at all. That's have, not, yeah, that's nothing. It's nothing, yeah. They have Patrick Fugate in here, so he's one of the main main stars of this. This is very good. Directed by Jonathan Cortas. This, I think, is one of his first feature films. It was it was good. Good for a first feature, um, I would yeah. say. So, yep. Yeah. Like a three right. out of five. Yep. So there was that. Okay. Uh, your assignment was Meet Me in St. Louis. What did you think of this? I did not like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> nope. uh, this was suggested so. to me by yeah. um, my co-host of my other podcast, Ariel, when I was like, hey, can you give me a... Like I, I, you do, I like musicals. I yeah. like a lot of musicals. La, speaking of Damien Chazelle, La La Land is one of my favorite movies. I like a lot of the Disney film, musicals. Um, there's some really good stuff, but I have a lot hard time with a lot of these older, very just like, and what's singing for the cheap seats? Like, you know, like, like I, you do, you, I got Chicago the other week and I was yes, just like, did. and this was, I mean, there's some good, there's some legitimately interesting stuff and this Julie Garland's really great. Uh, they do some really, really interesting camera work. There is like a couple wonders in this. There's one in particular where these two characters are going through the entire house, turning out the lights. And like, this is, it's like, I'm like, this is fucking Spielbergian. Um, but overall, uh, 
it did not it did not do it for me um unfortunately oh that's that's too bad sorry sorry to hear that (laughs) so let's see if we can get something better this time i'm gonna go to my watch list sort by oh where's the thing you sort by service or sort by my services so be sure to get something that is streaming somewhere and i hit shuffle i'm gonna get the help a uh, movie I <laughs> have been dreading watching. Uh, Why is it in your list then? I don't. It's one of those. Didn't it win a bunch of awards or something? Yeah, it's it's fine. You know, there's it's some it's, there's some not great like white savior tropes in that it. Is, but, yes, that's why I'm. Yeah. yeah, it has like everybody in this. It's Emma Stone, Viola yeah. Davis, Octavia Spencer, Bryce Dallas Howard, Jessica Chastain, the two redheads, two redheads of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. The two Gwen Stacys of Hollywood. Exactly. Allison Janney, Mary Steeburgeon, Sissy Spacek, Daniel Alwellowo, Wes, Wes Chatham, Wes Chatham, however you say his name. A lot of people in this. Leslie Jordan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people in this thing. Directed no. by Tate Taylor. I don't know that name. No. Oh, he did The Girl on the Train. He did Ava. He did Ma from 2019. Okay. Mm. All right, okay. so I'm checking that thing out. <laughs> so, Derek, go to your watch list, right. my services, and, and shuffle. Sh- what do we got here? Oh, cool. We got uh, Loving, uh, the nice. film about the uh, interracial yep. marriage case with uh, uh, Ruth Nega and Joel Egerton. So, nice. I've been meaning to watch this. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's on Netflix. Uh, I really wanted to see it back in 2016 when it first came out. Um, Who's the director of that? Yeah. Uh, Jeff Nichols. Yes, yes, love his stuff. Yeah, Jeff love. Nichols. So yep. I don't think I've seen a Jeff Nichols film, so this will be good. I'm excited. Oh, you got to see Take Shelter. Take Shelter is incredible. Love yeah. it. Yep. Let me see. Okay. Okay. So definitely want to check that out. So that'll do it for that. Uh, let's do some uh-huh. plug in, plug in, plug in. Uh, pl- medium blog, Damien Medium dot com. Go there for. Articles every week. I'm writing about things I'm watching, things I'm reading, things I'm playing. So go there to check that out. Go to B for Benedetta. That's my letterboxed. I'm eight away, apparently, from 100 followers. Uh, so I just so follow me there to get me over the hump of that. Go Ooh, to film essays. That's a lot more than I got. Yeah, I think it's from like... Um, I was on some film discords for a while. Um, I follow people that are on Twitter. They're like, hey, follow me. I write stuff. And mm. follow me and I'll follow you back. So I did did that a few times. Uh, go to Anchor to make a podcast and check out all my interviews. Anchor doesn't exist anymore, Damien. Oh, They'll no. come for you. <laughs> they got absorbed by the Borg of Spotify. <laughs> yeah, that happened like three years ago. <laughs> yeah, we should be fine. They should be fine. Yeah, yeah. So what do you get to plug? Yeah, so... Uh, my podcast, my other podcast that I do is Underrated. It's a film podcast as well. It comes out the same day as this every other Monday. Uh, this week, uh, since we always do this as the, it's a tradition for the first ever uh, or the first April episode, we do an April Fool special where we talk about a movie that's so bad it's good, so bad it's underrated. Uh, and that this week or this year's special was Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Uh, so fucking terrible movie that I had a absolute blast watching. It's so good. Uh, unfinished special effects, terrible acting. Uh, you name it. This movie has it all. Um, keeping with the April Fool's theme, uh, on April Fool's Day, I released my other podcast is Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones. Whenever there's a new 
Marvel thing, a new MCU property that gets released. We do an uh, episode of that. And since it was April Fool's Day, uh, it was the one-year anniversary of the film's release as well. Uh, we talked about Morbius. So I had on, uh, this is the one I mentioned earlier, um, oh, from my, my buddy from the, over at the weekly DLC came on, and we talked about Morbius and had had a very, very good time talking about that stupid-ass movie. So if you want to listen to some, let's talk about some ridiculous, so bad it's good movies, listen to Underrated and Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones. And find us under find me at Undercast Company on all the socials. Very very cool. Um, <laughs> there should be some good good episodes. There's some freaking bad movies, man. <laughs> Sorry, I had to yeah. watch all that stuff. Yeah, isn't Morbius like almost three hours too? It's like two and a half hours. No, it's a short movie. It's what like it? it's like under two. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I gotta check that out just for the memes. Just it's, for the yeah. memes. Yeah. Morb Nation, rise up! It's Morbid time. <laughs> so with that, I've been Damien. I'm Derek. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.